How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back to Misconduct. I'm Aileen, and joining me as always is Colleen. How you doing, Colleen? I'm good. I'm back in the full swing of things at work, which was a lot harder to get back into than yeah. I thought it would be. No. Uh, I went back on the 3rd, which was a Wednesday, so I worked a short week, but oh my God, it felt like an eternity. I know. It was like Thursday afternoon, and I was just like, I feel like I've been here forever. It had been a day and a half. <laughs> Also, if you're listening to this episode on the day it was released, which is January 11th, it's my <laughs> best friend Tori's birthday. So I want to say happy birthday and I love you. Uh, Tori is a big supporter of the podcast and she recommended the Kevin Cooper case to us that we covered in late 2017. Yes, that's right. How are you? Happy birthday, Tori. And I'm good. Just, uh, you know, the same, trying to get back on the swing of things, but it's been great, you know, to have the time off, but I don't know. It's just, it's trying to get back, you know, on a schedule is actually kind of nice. Uh, but I also have a funny uh, story, if you guys want to hear it, of these weird, I know I've talked about it before, weird happenings on my street. <laughs> so, you know, you if you like to hear story? it. Yeah. I do want to hear your street story. So last night I hear somebody outside. So I look out and some random guy is lighting a small Christmas tree on fire outside my house right next to a car. And it goes up like, you know, a dry Christmas tree would, and it's kind of scary. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And he just like walks off pulling some luggage. It was kind of funny. So I called the cops and I got a description and, you know, to their credit, they caught the dude like really quick. He must've been coming back to look at his, the scene of the crime. Yeah. You know, I don't know what he was doing. Um, I, I swear, I just need to get some cameras up and create a YouTube channel. Just I want a to. constant live stream. Yeah. I think it would be hilarious. Some of the stuff. I wonder what I don't see. Honestly, your street, there's always something happening on Eileen Street. Every time I come here, I'm like, I'll be up in a minute. There's somebody doing something really weird down here. Yeah. And I don't want to wait for you to like unlock the door. Exactly. <laughs> this but... does not happen where I live as much. <laughs> not nearly as much. Not as much. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, I know I tell some fun city stories and that was just fresh in my head uh, from last night, actually. So anyways, it's crazy. This is our first episode of our second year of Misconduct. I'm so excited. It does not seem like year two. I know. Uh, this is our first episode that we recorded in 2018. Our last episode was actually recorded near the end of December when Nicole was here. Yeah. So, Eileen, how was your holiday break? 
it was great. You know, like you said, we had Nicole here, so that was awesome. Um, and just being able to relax and decompress was just really nice. And then obviously Hannah was here and that was awesome. But uh, how was yours? Mine was good as well. Also relaxing. You know, my little sister came to visit after Christmas and stayed for a week. My sister, Hannah. Yeah. Um, my parents dropped her back off at school this week so she could finish up her second year of college. I know. She's great. It makes me sad. <laughs> She's so old now. Uh, Hannah and her friend Esther have actually started doing some research for some of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Esther has been her friend forever. She's basically like my third little sister. Yeah. Uh, they've been doing a great job and it's really cool for us to grow enough that we can, you know, like hire a couple people to help us out. I know. And they do such a great job. Such a great job. Today we are discussing Sylvia Segrist. In October of 1985, 25-year-old Sylvia opened fire in a mall in Pennsylvania. By the time she was stopped by a customer at the mall, she had killed three people and wounded seven others. It was discovered that Sylvia was a paranoid schizophrenic with violent delusions and voices in her head that told her to kill people. It also came out that she had been committed to and released from psychiatric facilities 12 times in the last 10 years. Today, we will go through what we know about Sylvia, her mental health history, and the crime she committed. So Sylvia Segrist was born to Ruth and Dawn Segrist on July 31st, 1960 in Pennsylvania. Her parents would later say that she was a normal child and had a rather normal upbringing. She was an academically gifted kid with a particular knack for math and chemistry. However, this would change as she entered her teenage years and the once agreeable child became unpredictable and uncontrollable. When Sylvia was 13, her mother learned that she had been sexually abused starting when she was eight years old by her paternal grandfather. In her sophomore year of high school, things got worse, and Sylvia's bizarre behavior her parents experienced at home started bleeding over into her life at school. Her mother later said that her behavior became more erratic the more she came to terms with the abuse she experienced as a child, but by the time she was 15, Sylvia was in an all-out rebellion. She went through a period of time where she was experimenting with different drugs. She was also causing disruptions in class, once this led to her being forcibly removed. While she was being taken out of class, she stabbed her guidance counselor, and this landed her in the hospital to undergo a psychiatric evaluation for the first time. While she was under evaluation, she also physically attacked her psychiatrist. It was during this hospital stay that she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. She would spend the rest of her teenage years in and out of treatment that hoped to control her delusions that were quickly becoming more and more violent. Each time she was discharged, she was deemed no longer a danger to herself or others. Her mother often disagreed with this assessment, though. When Sylvia would come home, she would often refuse to take her medication and her symptoms would become worse. There is a noticeable change in her behavior after she underwent a four-month hospital stay when she was just 21. Once released, her delusions became even more severe and she became obsessed with the military. At this time, Sylvia also began going into public places and going on loud rants about an imminent nuclear war. Her mother continued to try and get her institutionalized before something bad happened because Ruth felt that it was only a matter of time before Sylvia hurt herself or someone else. At this time, state law had a set of requirements that had to take place before they would commit someone to a psychiatric facility for the long term. Until this point, Sylvia had not committed serious violence against another person, but she had threatened it. 
Ruth would later say that Sylvia would say things like, I'll hurt someone before I kill myself. I'll bring some people down with me. Her loud rants about the military and nuclear war were seen as more of a nuisance than a troubling symptom of what was to come. There was an instance where Sylvia and Ruth got into an argument outside of the DMV that led to Sylvia trying to choke Ruth. This got Sylvia hospitalized, but as soon as she stabilized, the hospital released her once again. Eventually, Sylvia was living alone because her parents could not care for her anymore. Her mental state was far too deteriorated and she was too volatile to have a roommate. With no supervision, Sylvia would yell at her neighbors and paint the inside of her apartment with different phrases. After her arrest, it was found that the walls bore sayings like, kill them all and I hate you all. Part of Sylvia's delusion was that the medication she was prescribed by her psychiatrist was actually hurting her. She'd refused to take it in and out of the hospital, so getting on an appropriate treatment plan was nearly impossible. She became so suspicious of medication that she refused to take anything administered by a third party, like a nurse, and began hiding pills even while in treatment. She also decided that prison would be better than a mental hospital and that she would be better off doing something that would get her sent to prison rather than a hospital. Her obsession with the military culminated in her actually trying to join the army. She enlisted, but was quickly discharged after two months due to her mental state. During her short time in the military, she was teased and harassed by the others for her odd behavior. For whatever reason, it was assumed that Sylvia was a lesbian, and she was set up on a fake date. And then after mm-hmm. that, she just kind of became the butt of many jokes amongst the group before she was finally discharged. After being discharged from the army, Sylvia's obsession with the military and with guns did not let up. She also would speak about shooting up public places, including the mall that she would later attack. In 1984, she was removed from a local McDonald's after she began talking to herself while inside. The staff grew concerned as her conversation with herself turned dark. And while in the restaurant, Sylvia pointed to the Springfield Mall, which was across the street, and said, someone should shoot up that mall. And then she pointed her fingers like a gun and repeatedly made shooting motions at it. Sylvia also visited the Springfield Mall many times before she shot it up. She frequently wandered around the inside talking to herself and making strange comments to other shoppers. One common complaint Sylvia had was about the color and brightness of the clothes inside the mall. This could be clothes in the stores or clothes on the people. She stopped shoppers on more than one occasion and yelled at them that their clothes were too bright. And she said that she hated bright colors. She would also say things like, it bothers me. Doesn't it bother you? Why doesn't it bother you? Obviously, this behavior didn't go over well with the shoppers or employees at the mall, and she was removed multiple times. Mostly, she would be escorted out by mall security, but there were instances where police were required to remove her. She made threats against the mall as she was being escorted out more than once. These threats weren't taken seriously, and she would be sent off to the hospital on another 72-hour hold. Once stabilized, she would be released without any consistent follow-up. She would end up off her medication and back at the mall. No one took the threat particularly seriously. She was just seen as just, you know, for lack of a better term, a crazy person making a scene and being escorted away. She was merely being seen as a nuisance and not someone that would act on what she was actually saying. 
In the months leading up to the shooting, her behavior was escalating again. Neighbors said they would see her outside her apartment at 3 or 4 in the morning raking leaves. She would also march up and down the steps of her apartment in a way that mimicked a way a soldier would march. She also started wearing fatigues everywhere, notably at the gym, where she would sit in a sauna fully clothed. In addition to being kicked out of the Springfield Mall, she was also being routinely kicked out of the public library. In one instance, she was wandering down the hallways of the library ranting about how, quote, the Russians were going to nuke and kill us all. Even if you survive, there's going to be radiation in the rain and you will get it into your brain. There will be a big mushroom cloud dripping poison onto you and it will be all over. They're saying it won't happen, but it will. Trust me. End quote. In March of 1985, while dressed in military fatigues, Sylvia tried to buy a rifle from a Kmart. She was denied her purchase by the person behind the counter due to her odd behavior. And the clerk basically just said, you know, oh, sorry, we're all out of that type of rifle. Despite the clerk at Kmart having an experience with Sylvia that caused them to deny her purchase, Sylvia tried again the next week at another store. This time she was able to make the purchase. Sylvia was required to fill out a form that asked her if she'd ever been mentally ill or had a police record. She simply checked no on the form and walked out of the store with a 22 caliber rifle that she bought for $107. The clerk who sold her the weapon at this time did not see the same behavior that the previous clerk did. It was later speculated that because Sylvia was unable to buy the gun at Kmart, she adjusted her behavior to ensure that she would be successful the next time. She had a very high IQ, and when she was on her medication, she was, you know, people would describe her, they'd be like, she's really smart and really academically gifted and very empathetic. She also had an extreme case of paranoid schizophrenia, and she was unable to, quote, you know, stop being delusional. But in order to fulfill her delusions... She was able to adjust her behavior in the moment. Right. If that makes sense. Because people raised the point at the time. Why was she acting so crazy? Crazy, you mm-hmm. know. The first time she tried to buy the rifle, but then she was able to stop being crazy, quote. Right. To buy it the second time. And it's not really like an on-off switch, you know. It's not yeah. like, you know. I think it's just, it was a little confusing. I thought I'd bring it up. But, yeah. She, she's yeah. still in the delusion. She probably just knew she had to act a certain act way act a certain way to get the gun and you know maybe this probably could be as simple as well this guy doesn't believe that the world's going to end you know so i need to play their game i need right exactly and then if i play their game i can get what i need yeah, yeah. it's that I mean, like i'm no mental expert health right. expert yeah. but i mean not at all but yeah but i would imagine it's something like that yeah right botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so Talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. On October 30th, 1985, Sylvia visited the Springfield Mall in the morning. She went to the seasonal Halloween store and shopped for a bit before making a purchase. Then she left and went to the gym where she worked out before returning to the mall. She made one stop before she got back to the mall and went to her local pharmacy to get her medication. However, she was declined because she did not have her insurance card with her and the pharmacy was unable to complete the transaction. And this angered Sylvia. But she left. And I'm someone who gets monthly prescriptions filled. And I can tell you that this happens a lot. It is not uncommon for some clerical error to mean that I have to call my doctor or I have to call my insurance company and they have to sort something out. They <sighs> didn't file the right paperwork. They, My doctor wrote my prescription for a 30-day supply, but my insurance wants to pay for it in a 90-day supply, yeah. like something like that. <sighs> and I'm, you know, I have to wait, have them fix the problem, and then try and fill the prescription the next day. After she was unsuccessful in getting her medication, she returned to the mall. She drove her car into the parking lot and got the gun she purchased months earlier from the back. She loaded the gun and then filled her pockets of her fatigues with bullets. She then started shooting at people in the parking lot. She shot towards a man named Edward Seitz, but he was about 30 yards away and the bullets missed him. He ducked for cover, but he did see the car that she exited from. And as Sylvia moved towards the mall, he seized the chance to flatten her tire so she couldn't escape. The next person in Sylvia's line of fire was a woman who was standing at an outside ATM. Fortunately, she was not hit and was able to run away. And by this time, multiple people saw Sylvia advancing on the mall entrance with a gun and they were able to flee to safety. The woman at the ATM didn't get a good look at Sylvia and when they called 911 to report the shooter, she reported that she saw a small man in army fatigues shooting at the mall. Now Sylvia was inside the mall and she had her rifle at hip level and was firing indiscriminately into the crowd of people that were moving through the mall while mumbling to herself. It was mass confusion inside the mall. Customers who realized what was happening were diving behind clothing racks, but there were some patrons who didn't realize what was going on. The first fatality was two-year-old Recife Cosman, who was walking into a restaurant with his mom and his cousins. Both of his cousins were also shot, but they survived their wounds, and tragically, Recife was killed instantly. Sad. His mother sobbed while holding her son, and Sylvia didn't seem to notice. She just walked by them and kept moving forward and kept shooting mm. forward. As she went further into the mall, some people seemed to think it was a Halloween prank because it was the day before Halloween. Uh, but they didn't think it was actually an active shooter. The more she shot her weapon, the more agitated she became, and soon her muttering turned into yelling and swearing. The next fatality was a retired doctor named Ernest Trout. 
He stepped out of a clothing store and was directly in Sylvia's line of fire without even realizing what was happening. Witnesses said he was looking over his receipt as he was walking out of the store, and when he looked up, he saw Sylvia standing in front of him with a gun. She shot Ernest three times in the stomach and head. He died from his wounds. The third and final fatality was 64-year-old August Ferreira. Just like with Ernest's trout, August stepped out of the store he had been shopping at and directly into Sylvia. He was shot multiple times and died before emergency services arrived. Despite having wounded multiple people, Sylvia was not slowing down. She would later say that the voices in her head told her now was the time to keep shooting and that she had to keep shooting until all the bullets were gone. As she approached a shoe store, 24-year-old John Loeffler crossed paths with her. John thought that Sylvia was pulling a Halloween prank that had gone too far because the mall was in chaos. Without realizing the very real danger that he was in, he walked up to Sylvia, who was pointing the gun at him, and grabbed it away from her saying, what the hell are you doing? You messed with the wrong dude. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I'm calling security. And she was so stunned at the direct confrontation that it seemed to shake Sylvia out of her anger, and then suddenly she became very compliant. When being told that security was being called, Sylvia just nodded her head. Hmm. While they waited for the police, the mall security guard asked her why she did it. And Sylvia replied, my family makes me nervous. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. This case made national news because it was uncommon to see a woman perpetrate a mass shooting in the United States. And it also opened the door for a national conversation about the treatment available for people with mental illness and their ability to purchase firearms. By the time Sylvia was brought to court for her arraignment, the compliant Sylvia was replaced with the volatile one. She was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and seven counts of attempted murder for those she wounded who survived. When asked if she understood the charges against her, she told the judge, quote, "'Fuck you. I hope you starve, motherfucker. I don't like that feeling.' but it's the way it is, end quote. After a stay at a mental hospital to stabilize her, she was deemed competent to stand trial, but her behavior deteriorated again during trial, where she was disruptive and told the jury to, quote, hurry up and kill her because, quote, they knew she was guilty. This delayed the trial for another six months while she was stabilized. On June 27, 1986, Sylvia was convicted of all 10 counts against her, but she was also declared to be mentally ill. Therefore, her three consecutive life sentences would be served in a facility that was equipped to handle her illness. In the years since her conviction, it appears that Sylvia found a medication regime that worked for her, at least it did in the profile that was done on her from prison in 1991. It showed a much different person than the one at trial, she was on a regular medication schedule at the time, and it curbed her delusions and anger. She had been in prison for about five years at this point and was 30 years old. With her schizophrenia under control, she said that she had been forced to come to terms with her actions. And she said she has a hard time living with what she did, particularly on the day of the anniversary of the shooting. In prison, Sylvia is apparently a model inmate. She consistently took her medication and never missed her work duty. She said she was hopeful that one day she would be able to prove that she had paid her debt to society and would be released. 
Despite her being stabilized, her family and the family of her victims did not want her released for fear that she would stop taking her medication and become a danger to herself or others once again. Later in 1993, it was reported that she was having trouble with her psychiatric medication, and in 1997, Sylvia had cut off contact with her family. Before this, Sylvia would exchange letters on a regular basis and visit in person every six weeks. Her mother, Ruth, said that her withdrawing from the family was due to her schizophrenia and paranoia. So Sylvia's case is pretty extreme. Despite her having violent delusions brought on by paranoid schizophrenia, the likelihood of someone with paranoid schizophrenia committing a crime of this magnitude is really low. In fact, more often than not, we see individuals suffering from mental illness end up being the victims Mm -hmm. of crime or violent crime rather than committing them. While this crime opened a national conversation on who should be allowed to buy guns and how we should handle involuntary psychiatric treatment, I think that conversation is still ongoing today. So for final thoughts, maybe we could just start out with like, do you feel that this is the right sentence for Sylvia? And is there an answer, like a correct answer to that question? Yeah, I feel like for Sylvia's case, this is the correct sentence for her. I think she needed to be in a facility that could handle her medical, handle the medical attention she needed. Her being put into a normal or regular prison wouldn't do anyone uh, much good, much less Sylvia. I mean, I don't think she should be free, obviously. You know, I mean, she committed a crime, but yeah, I don't, I think she needed to be treated. And, and that was a good thing, I think. I mean, yeah, I think, I agree. I think this, In this particular circumstance, this was the appropriate course of action. Mm -hmm. I also think that cases like this are so complicated that there's not one perfect solution that can be applied to all cases. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think it allows the families of the victims to have some level of closure and kind of like some responsibility being put on that person Mm -hmm. who committed a very terrible crime. Right. And I know cases like this you know, grab headlines quickly, but often there are other issues at play. And I think trying to find a solution to the problem would, you know, involve a huge and multifaceted conversation. And there just, you know, there isn't just one easy answer, unfortunately. And that wraps up our show for this week. Thank you for listening. But before we go, we have some five-star reviews we want to say thank you to. First off, we want to say a huge thank you to some of our listeners who took the time to leave us a five-star review so thank you to tony 101 g fry 1982 flaco 1990 and fango fox 77 hope i got all those right thank you guys for your reviews your reviews help us out a lot and we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us the feedback uh this week our podcast recommendation is for the missing minority project the missing minority project is a podcast covering the disappearances of persons of color and missing LGBTQ persons. Make sure you hang out till the end of the episode to listen to a word from them. And we just love this podcast because it's another podcast that gives voices to underrepresented people who sometimes don't get the full benefits of the criminal justice system when they need it the most. So be sure you check them out. Maybe subscribe. Definitely. They're awesome. And that wraps us up for another episode of Misconduct. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a second, head over to our Facebook group uh, to discuss this week's case. We love our group and we love being able to interact with you guys. So if you are not a member, join and one of our mods will add you ASAP. We love to hear your thoughts and opinions. So hop on over and let us know what you think of Sylvia Segrist. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. 
And we also want to give a huge shout out to the Blank Tapes who do our intro and outro music. You can check them out at Bandcamp to check out more of their music. If you have a case you'd like to see covered, drop us a line. Send it to misconductpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you next week. have been looking for Ivan Aguilar. He went missing in May 2014 at the age of... about a little girl who seemingly vanished from Milwaukee. Alexis Patterson. is reported missing by his adoptive father. We started this podcast to help find the missing who aren't otherwise covered in the media. We call. We request information. We're still left with nothing. And we need your help to solve them. Somebody out there has to know something. Mommy, why you I miss her. I miss her. Join us for our true crime podcast that covers the disappearances of missing minorities and LGBTQ persons. These cases are solvable. Someone just needs to listen. This is the Missing Minority Project podcast. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.